On today's episode, we have with us Nicole Ruggiero. She is a talented 3D artist and a New York City local. Her work is fantastic. It is fun, it is light, it is extremely colorful. You guys have got to check it out. Now, I want to say on this episode, we have a pretty unique angle. We decided to kind of go over how video games have affected our lives in the sense of becoming the 3D artists that we are today. So with that being said, guys, I hope you enjoy this really fun episode. internet focused and while my work is still internet focused it's taking on more of kind of like a gaming perspective at this point i'm making a an animation series with my partner called wish and wash which i'm really excited about i've been making characters for that and it's about this laundromat casino and in this world uh soap is really scarce so the working class has to gamble to wash her clothes in a traditional way. Um, wow. So that's, that's fun. And, oh, that's almost too close yeah. to home. <laughs> what? I said that's almost too close to home. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a reflection of my life and the gambling aspect uh, was majorly influenced by being very much in like the crypto sphere, crypto community. the past few years um i mean that's like mainly how i've been making money so and there's like a huge gambling aspect to that whether you like it or not so it's kind of like my take on that uh and i i kind of just wanted to make this like humorous um kind of thing with my partner and i don't want it to be like super serious or like political or whatever It's, it's just kind of like I feel like all we can do is try to just have fun day to day, you know, and mm-hmm. like not get down about stuff. Um, so 
yeah, that's my that's my way to do it. And of course, there's a ton ton of games in this laundromat and casino, which I'm really excited about. And uh, eventually, I'd really like to make like a Game Boy game to go along with all this. You know, I have to just I have to ask. I mean, this is not uh, we're not even one question in, and I'm already like um, thinking about like other questions we didn't have before the before we jumped <laughs> on. But um, have you did you watch the um, the movie Tetris? on Apple no. Plus. Uh, no. So it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, I haven't really again, I haven't really like, fact-checked a lot of it, but you know, it's it's a dramatization of just how the idea of like um I think a lot of it has to do with like the licensing of games, you know, back then, like what was it like to to make a video game when video games were first being made? Like, you know, what does the IP law look like? Distributing to arcade was different than distributing to console distributing yeah. the console, you know, like d- every country had different sort of uh, their own standards and regulations about how this stuff gets distributed. So, um, but no, it's funny because even just in some of what we were just describing, it's like uh, there's there's so many interesting things about how video games have always brought stories to the masses, you know, and yeah. it's sort of just been ingrained in our culture in a way that we haven't had a lot of time to sit, I think, and maybe reflect on like what all that looks like and how, how we got to where we are. So it's super interesting to hear that that's kind of, you know, a, a perspective you have, which leads me to, um, you know, you mentioned like a lot of your work being influenced by that, maybe that world, you know, can you share some specific examples of games or media or just experiences that you've had that sort of influence your work today? Yeah, I think the main game was like a turning point for me and wanting to get more into like digital art and drawing was Kingdom Hearts, like when yes. I was like 12. Oh yeah. <laughs> the only game that I can talk to my fiance be about, by the way. Like even my fiance is like, you know, Kingdom Hearts. I had I I did it. I played Kingdom Hearts and I loved it. I mm-hmm. don't know many people that haven't played it and aren't like, this game is amazing. So yeah. oh, man. classic. So good. Yeah. So yeah, so probably that. Um we were chatting about, you know, Final Fantasy Seven. I actually played that for the first time. I just beat it like last weekend. Oof. Um, so a, that was a, pretty epic to play, honestly, as an adult. Cause I think if I played it as a kid, I probably would have put it down. Cause I would have been like super <laughs> confused. You definitely needed a walkthrough. Like, oh, period. Yeah. I yeah. would not have been able to do that. And I don't know if I would have sat there and like looked things up as a kid, you know? I mean, this is so very in line with like what we're going to be talking about. I feel like for the rest of this episode, but this idea of like how video games have, you know, yes, it did start in arcades, right? Which is inherently a social thing, right? But that's social on the scale of like 15 to 20 people, right? Yeah. That might be within the vicinity <laughs> that want to play the same game. The the concept of like an um, a massive multiplayer online game was not a thing, right? Now it's like you can you can have this this really broad social experience with people from all over the world. But I remember when I played Final Fantasy VII you know, I only played it because someone I knew had the strategy guide that they bought yeah. at like GameStop, you know, or whatever it was. And we're sitting there like combing through the, you know, hundred pages. <laughs> and like, What do I do now? Like, I didn't get the ether. I got to go back, whatever, you know, just yeah. the whole, the whole, the whole it strategy. It was super social with that, you know, you yeah. have to get your little nerd Final Fantasy seven friends and be like, okay, so how, wait, what Chocobros did you breed to get the green one? You know, it's, uh, well, I mean, you know, and if you think to not just Final Fantasy, but, but we had, you know, Pokemon, right. Or like the, the mm, data yeah. cable that ran between people's Game Boys. I mean, that was, yeah. it's like a preliminary internet, you know, <laughs> you yeah. just yeah. carry it around with you, so. 
Man, that cable was like so crappy too. I remember like it was like like I remember it like didn't work half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you, was, like, you're just like waiting like, oh my god, it's gonna work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brought in a whole That's suspense crazy. element. <laughs> yeah. Oh That's my god. Incredible. Yeah, I remember trading Pokemon with my friends and just like we would do it like five right. times for it to work. Was it was it as early as like red and blue that you had to do certain certain evolutions were only like wasn't Alakazam only via via mm-hmm. trade or something like you you had to coordinate I mean you had to yeah yeah you had to coordinate with people yeah yeah um so yeah so I mean obviously I I feel like we immediately got on a tangent there you mentioned Kingdom Hearts you mentioned Final Fantasy um yeah any any other sort of media or or games that you really liked um i'm gonna swing it back around into like the gambling aspect of like what i've been focusing on and there's this anime called kakegurui and it is insane it's like a gambling anime it's on netflix and it is awesome it's probably like one of my top 10 favorite animes i watched that recently um and that was really really good everyone is crazy like super insane crazy and it is like it really takes this perspective of like taking gambling to like the utmost extreme right where people are basically like gambling with their lives but they're all like i guess in high school of course because it's an anime so it's like it's it's really really entertaining um but it's also kind of interesting to look at it from that extreme perspective so like in our uh animation series like i i feel like my perspective on gambling is like i i don't really partake that much like or at all really um i guess the only thing i really do is like collect pokemon cards which you can argue is like (laughs) kind of gambling right as far as like crypto gambling or like gambling with money like i don't that at all it's like really interesting for me like that i have this like pretty like whatever demeanor about it like i'm not super invested but being in the crypto community and like seeing people you know like spend so much money on nfts or uh and are like trading you know selling like a crypto punk or like board apes or like whatever for like millions of dollars you know and and being friends with some people who own some of these things it's 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 really interesting that's that's all i really have to say i mean what i mean kind of a, it's so uh, psychological right yeah so like, i was gonna say yeah. kind of a hot question here like i mean what would you think being so close to that level of sort of like the glory in the backdrop of doing that kind of gambling yeah you know you think about like the wall street bets phenomenon of like the last you know few years and how we have documentaries on netflix you know documenting a a a group of redditors talking about a you know a stock and like it drives this whole frenzy you you kind of i i followed that a little uh, maybe more closely than the crypto stuff but i feel like a, a a sort of conversation in that space is very much like you are gambling you know like all of this is there's no skill there's no luck what is the perspective like in maybe a digital trading space like with NFTs or crypto that you know that you've seen being that close to it like people that you do know that are very successful what is their perspective 
you know, do they, are they at, are they kind of going to everyone and saying, you have to be doing this? This is, you know, I made so much money off of it. You can too. Or, or are they self-aware enough to say like, I gambled and just happened to, to hit the lottery? Um, I, I think like the delusion level varies, <laughs> like right. for sure. Some people are just like straight up very aware. Like this is very risky. I mean, it's really luck based. It's like, are you, you know, selling at the right time? Are you buying at the right time? Right. Um, I think that like, like there are definitely rational people as well who are like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I actually just really like this art and I want it. And like, I have the expendable income. Um, you know, I think that adds a lot of value to the art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, then you have people who are like flipping profile picture NFTs right. and that's where you really see a lot of craziness happening and in those circles it is a lot of like you know oh you have to get in on this like before a lot of hype um and it's interesting because i do apply that to like my pokemon collecting it's like similar um in like certain aspects where like there's the hype cycle like things are really popular and then they're not will these things sustain long-term interest Mm. and i think that's you know where the value comes from um so yeah yeah no that's interesting it's interesting the nft space is something i feel like i've always been you know i've never really dove into i've always just been kind of watching from the outside and seeing um how it plays out and you know and it's so funny because i've seen so many people try and get in and just not have success on it and then (laughs) Some people, you know, I've I've seen some of your work for a while and you've had a lot of success in it from what I've seen, at least, um, at least compared to a lot of people I know. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I think that has to go for how great your work is and how standout-ish it is. Um, with that being said, what kind of like programs are you using um, in order to achieve the artwork that you're making? Um, I, I guess my main program that has that I've been using forever is Cinema 4D and Octane Render. Like that's kind yeah. of my main setup. Um, but I work a lot in Maya, especially with my characters. Like I rig in there. It's just way easier. Um, and I animate in there. Cinema's pretty clunky still with that. It's getting better, but it's it's just not as as good. Um, mm. But then, so I'll animate the characters and then I'll put that into cinema, I'll put the FBX into cinema. And then I'll do like any kind of motion graphics in cinema because cinema is obviously superior with that. Um, and I render out an octane. Oh, and I sculpt everything in ZBrush and texture in Substance Painter. Nice, nice. Um, I am curious, as somebody who's never used Maya, because we don't get a lot of people who uh, put that into their workflow so i know you said for more of like the character model or i've heard or maybe not character model what can you just elaborate a little bit more on your maya process oh yeah um so basically i sculpt the character in zbrush so it's like high poly right um and then i put it into maya where i use quad draw to make it low poly or as low as I can get it. Um, 
And then I rig it with bones and I weight it, which is the crappiest part. And I wish there was an AI for it. <laughs> like, where is that AI? Like, everyone's so but scared now, of AI. I was like, well, why, yeah. why can't it do this for me? Wasn't I that, that was like the, the art station, uh, you know, when, when there was like, you go to art station, it was just every, sorry, every profile picture was just, uh, Ban AI except for rigging and weight painting. <laughs> exactly. Wait, it said the, that. Give me the like. There, were, you know, there was like a, there was a, a, like a, a sort of like a template that everyone was using that was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thin. saw that, but I didn't know it had the like disclaimer. No, no, there were just. I mean, it was it was kind of very. Yeah, I don't know, but I. I, just, I saw the meme once or twice. There was just like ban AI tools, and oh there was like except God. for auto rigging and weight painting, because yeah, no one. I mean, it's just. If you look, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're the person that's like, I love to weight paint, like, let me tell you, I have <laughs> at least the abandoned projects that I would love to. <laughs> yeah, yeah mean, or if you're listening and you know, part. like, a good weight painting plugin tool, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know, I don't, I'm gonna Google after this actually because it so, pops up all the time. I think yeah. so, so I'm a blender guy, but um. Uh, there are some pretty cool rigging tools in Blender, Rigify being one of them that like mm -hmm. you can do auto, you can set automatic bone weights based on, it's basically proximity to your mesh, you know? So you yeah. still have to go in and clean everything up, but, yeah. um, but God, I the mean. The thing is like rigging doesn't even take long or like it takes like five minutes. The, if like, you're so doing a human and you know, like what the human bones are, it's so quick. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I don't I haven't I even just, downloaded the plugin for that. I, I'm not a character animated <laughs> animator at all, but I just did a quadruped recently and that nice. was that was one where I was like, Oh, I need to I gotta like go look at some anatomy stuff. You know, if you don't That's if you're not awesome. Like, My partner is doing so many quadrupeds. She's like awesome. She just yeah. started like doing this stuff too and she like caught on so fast and she's been doing her she goes by Plant Daddy, by the way, if anyone's Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her um, yeah. it's uh two t's and two d's and two i's nice uh, it's the second d kind of confusing anyways <laughs> uh you can find her through me too uh she's and we'll she's probably just great. invite her on the podcast soon so. <laughs> she hates <laughs> podcast she will not she, she won't, won't do it, it. What if we did like a little what if we did like a joint podcast i feel like you could i, I might <laughs> be able to convince there. her <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh anyway she's been doing a Oh, I, I like watch her do the rigging waiting. I'm like, I don't know how you do these so fast. Yeah. Like you're so, you yeah. caught on so fast that you're doing these crazy animations. Uh, I so I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just not, it's not something I'm, I'm just not that excited about, uh, weight painting. It's just not for me. Um, yeah. so, so I do, I did want to kind of, uh, go back a little bit. Um, just sort of the, you know, we, we typically have like a future portion of the, the podcast where we talk about maybe some of these more lofty futuristic things like nfts and the blockchain and all that but since we're already here i figure yeah, i might as well ask um you know you mentioned having some success with nfts i'm curious do you you know you even i think i even heard you say earlier on like that's where you're making like maybe primarily your income or like that's a or at least a, ma a major contributing contributing factor do you feel like as an nft artist that you have to make it your full-time job in order to, to sort of execute a strategy with that successfully? Uh, I definitely don't call myself an NFT artist. Right. <laughs> so, um, but, would you, but would you say that you have maybe more strategy 
you know, is it's not something I you suck can... at marketing. Yeah. I'm so bad. Mm. I just want to make my stuff. And like right. honestly, yeah. I've been like kind of struggling lately. I'm, I'm gonna be real with y'all. Like I need I need some client work right now. Like I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. shift back into that and do more right. client stuff. Yeah. I want to keep selling my art though. And I think that the only feasible way is through NFTs. So I, I'm here to stay in that world. Sure. Um, but I need something to like hold me over uh right. until I can continue selling stuff because it's just been really slow. The market's really slow right now. Um yeah. Yeah, it but, is interesting how it completely is in a weird way affected just through economics, right? I mean, yeah. it's yeah, either yeah, yeah. is going, it's like, how is cryptocurrency doing? How is inflation yeah. doing? And, and that's I feel totally... Yes. Yeah. The only reason I asked that too is like, you know, definitely was not making any suppositions about where you are or what you're doing. But I just found in my own personal experience that it became very quickly apparent to me that, you know, even just like, follow this person to get on the whitelist so that you can mint the you know like it was just every twitter notification i had for like a year it was every you know like how many things how many things how wallets do you sign up for email chains do you sign up for discord channels are you in and i just got to the point where i was like honestly it felt like it was it was you know give it all or nothing and i just didn't feel like i was ready to to really commit to um to keeping that like tab on it, you know yeah it's kind of like like riding a wave i feel like i i like mm -hmm. got in there like early so i could like catch that wave and it yeah so like um like i was like giving something up to do it it was kind of just like oh oh shit it like, presented I, itself and I'm you just, happened to be in yeah like i'm just doing doing that. i was invited onto foundation like oh nice wow before they oh, launched make your like submit your three minute video essay and like you know it, it the the barriers sort of like started it's it honestly kind of feel the same way about where we are with ai right now where it's like you know you can choose to be the person that like wakes up every day and reads everything you possibly yeah. can on ai but like you know yeah yeah i i agree with that it, it's definitely um I, I found myself looking at AI and I mean, I mess around with like mid journey. It's fun. Um, right. But like, it's like, I'm, I made it an AI work and I, it was like fine, but I, it was just like, not, I was like, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this. This is not like what is making me happy. I want to like mm. tell a story with like yeah. a character based which it sounds like you've already built a little universe to tell that story in. It's it's being built for sure. It's not yeah. completely built yet, but um, it's it's definitely a, a slow process. We're like trying to get this grant right now that'll hopefully help with that and like let us focus on it. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. That's awesome. To be at, to even be at a point where you're like applying for grants to to make some of your you know your art come to life, that's a, a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah, I love the idea of world building too. It's been something I've been trying to get more into. Is kind of, you know, as tools are advancing, I feel like there's you're allowed to you know, especially with Unreal Engine, I've been using. It's like I'm not as me personally, my art style. I feel like I'm getting very much into characters, but I'm also now saying, where do these characters live? And I'm yeah. getting excited at the prospect of, 
oh, I could make a few characters that live in a world, but I'm getting, I feel like where I'm getting more creative juices is thinking about the world that they're in. And, you know, it's like, what do the rooms look like? Is this going to be sci-fi? Is this going to have like a, like a dark, ominous element to it? And, you know, it's kind of like you develop these rules in this world, which helps your creation of the character and what rules do your characters abide by. Um, But it's super fun that like it's um, I'm really funny because I I'm also always thinking about video games with that, too. So I'm like, you know, like when you're like, you know, play a game and then they make a sequel and then like something (laughs) happens and you're like, wait, that's not like canon. Like that doesn't make sense in the previous version they said this happened and now like right. this character's alive again or like whatever it's like and it's like how much like excuse do you give yourself with like loopholes mm-hmm. and like you know stuff like that because it's like as we're building this world together um and like some of my characters are living independently from it as well um mm. like and so so are sam's like we're like doing like separate things with them too which is like a weird kind of like dynamic that you don't really see much, but it's, it's been interesting to like play around with. So it's like, um, for instance, I have like a character 3d internet, which is, it's not, the character is not me, but it's definitely like a big reflection of like, uh, some parts of myself, um, as well as like their own kind of, uh, interest and stuff. So it's like, I'm like making animations with them, like doing different things. And I'm like, oh, how are they going to exist in the wish and wash? And then also exist like at home, for instance, mm-hmm. um, or like with their friends outside of the wish and wash that like it, like their friends who don't necessarily go there, you know? Um, right. So it's like really, uh, it's interesting. It's like, oh, uh, like, do I need to think through like every little thing before I start putting this stuff out? But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no. I have yeah. to be honest, I'm not. I'm not like really thinking through every little thing because I feel like that would take me like so long to like just like write, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm kind of just like going well, with yeah, it and like, seeing how you, it comes you open, out. Your, you open yourself up to the idea that you have to consider every possibility, and then it makes imp- it makes it impossible to make a decision about anything, right? Yeah. So yeah. You like you, you can be paralyzed by choice and like. I think sometimes it's okay to like exist in that space. And like, cause that's, I think that's where you maybe think critically about what would this character do in a situation like this? I have a backstory. I have like an understanding of what yeah. this character likes and doesn't like. I mean, that's, that's fine. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like very quickly you can get in a rabbit hole of just like, well, like what if they, what if they were feeling a little sick and they had to go to the grocery <laughs> store? Like, what would that be like? Well, like if that's not in the story or if that's not in service of like the story that you're trying to tell, you know, you right. don't really like, have to what if I out. made like something that's like not really part of this universe or it doesn't make sense. And there's like, a right. Weird... Which it's kind of a perfect segue though, too. Like, I mean, I know we talked at the beginning of this about like sort of the overarching theme of, of maybe thinking about this in the, in the world of video games and like final fantasy to me is a perfect example Except, of yeah. world building with borrowed characters and borrowed storylines and borrowed concepts you know zelda you could probably argue has like a lot of the same thing where it's the same you know titular characters in every installment of the game but the lore is slightly different and the backstories are slightly different and you know so you see some of these well-established worlds that have been built and like 
you know, maybe even in this in the sense of like Lord of the Rings, right? They just had the Amazon show that maybe didn't go as well as they'd hoped. But like that was probably an attempt at like there's this massive universe that we can do something with. So it is so you do have these reference points. Um I'm just kind of, I kind of want to jump into the Final Fantasy stuff if you guys are down to just oh, 100%. I feel like we've hit on some themes that kind of tie into, you know, like take for instance like recurring characters or you know that have a maybe a backstory maybe they don't but they they exist in one story and they exist exist in another um but yeah uh so just kind of like i don't know how do we start this off mikey I'm well i just want to say i i think one of my favorite things when playing final fantasy 7 that blew me away was the world it really was just this yeah. discovery of starting and midgar and then like leaving and when it i think it's like back in the day you had three discs and you switch to disc two and it just goes into open world mode just like wow it was such a breakthrough i mean my mind exploded I, and i mean so much thought went into this universe and it, it just had to have been uh, to me it, it inspired me for years to come yeah, yeah. absolutely loved it um but I feel like it, it, it's a fun part of the art design and something maybe people don't even think about, you know? And I mean, you've seen it. I feel like some of the best breakthroughs to happen in art scenes being like Tolkien, you know, that I've heard that was one of their biggest foundations for its success was the world building they did and how they started with the map. Same with, you know, uh, Game of Thrones. Like anytime I'm reading the book, I'm constantly flipping to the, you know, the map yeah. and then flipping back and I'm reading it like that. Um, and I felt like, yeah, Final Fantasy VII, at least for me, was like one of the first world, you know, exploration games. And uh, just so cool. So cool. Which is crazy because Final Fantasy was the first in the installment to go full 3D. So if we like yeah. think about like tying it back to this idea of what was the... There was, there were so, you know, obviously for me, it's like I was nine when that game came out, maybe, maybe a little older, right? So I was like very young. So it was obviously going to have, it was like the first game I got when I got a PS1. Um, you know, first game I bought where it was like, I have to, you know, the, the disc was like three inches or the, the packaging was three inches thick. Cause you have to buy like three different games. Cause you can't fit one story on one disc kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like all of that was just made it so monumental for me, but there was technical achievements that were being made that were already kind of like, maybe I didn't realize at the time, but like, yeah, probably why I got into motion graphics or, you know, 3d stuff in general, you mentioned open world, Mikey, like when you go out and suddenly you're this little avatar, like the art style changed a little bit, you know, probably because of technical limitations, but you're full polygons, like running around on a map. So, yeah. Um, and it, I just want to say it's interesting, too, because that game, like one of the reasons why it was so successful at its time is because, you know, they were trying to make the game on Nintendo and they realized they could actually make this like 3D huge open world. And so they went with PlayStation because they were following the technological advances at that time. And so it's even I funny. I think they also like realized that like they're like they made it too, too big. I don't think we can make this on Nintendo. It would. I think they said it would be like ten to twelve cartridges or something. It was. It was I don't even remember having a single multi-cart game. Like, oh yeah, is, is there one? Yeah. Or even uh, like NES or? <laughs> I'm really curious now. I don't know if there is actually. 
I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, I played a lot of I played a lot of old like you know Nintendo cartridge. You know, and what was it? Uh, what was the first? Game Boy Advance came out after Game Boy? Yeah, was that the next console? Like, I mean, yeah, Game, Game Boy, Game, Game Boy like, Color, the, Game they Boy have Advance. Have the cartridge size on Game Boy Advance too, so it was like they were already starting to pack more on to a little a little board like that. But mm. yeah, I don't know if there was ever a multi. I yeah, I can't think of one. I feel but like I remember did, there was it's a crazy to think that know. they had cartridge games with like a camera built into it. Like, what was the one? Wasn't it? What was that Nintendo Game Boy camera? Game, game Boy camera. camera. Yeah, yeah, that was classic. I had that. Wild, wild. Yeah, it was cool. That did not really catch on. You know, we we ditched that tech pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I really wanted it. I remember, but it's like, and I messed with it a lot. But it's like, uh. Mm. It was definitely a novelty. Um, although I, there is a fan-made game, or I don't know if you call it, like really an indie uh, Game Boy game that is a Game Boy uh, camera gallery, which is really cool. Um, mm. Like people just took pictures with their Game Boy cameras like recently and sent them in. And then they in the game, you go up to the like little gallery, you know, thumbnail thing and click on it and you see the pictures. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's super cool. I feel yeah. like yeah, I love that. That's like you talk about this all the time. Like, what if, you know, Apple Photos implemented like a, a VR or like an AR space where you could just like see all of your albums on a wall or, you know, the fact I'm that waiting like, for it. Text from like 20 <laughs> years ago, 30 or 25 years ago. We're definitely yeah. heading in that direction. I mean, I'm seeing that a lot with like in the NFT world and stuff. Um, yeah. But like going back to the Final Fantasy, Final yeah. Fantasy 7 specifically and the, the world building and everything, I think. Yeah. I was talking to my friend about it recently because I just beat the game like last weekend. Um, and I, it was, it's like crazy because he was sending me screenshots and I was like, like, I remember this, but I honestly don't even remember this part. And it's because like, I like you're going through so many different like towns and uh, I mean, what do you call it? cities and stuff like that? uh in different moments and i think that the the way that they did uh the environments because the environments were actually just an image right yeah um, yeah we're I just think what, sorry an image oh yeah yeah like a painting basically i i think that really um allowed them to put in so much detail like every kind of like screen you know because it's like a fixed camera and then you go and, mm -hmm. and like up up the road and it you know switches to like the next fixed camera right i think it really allowed them to put so much detail into the environments that honestly you don't really see that much these days um yeah even playing the remake which i'm not done with yet i think i'm like 25 hours into it but you know a lot of that detail is lost and while I love seeing the characters like in full flesh, like whatever, like it's really cool. Like, uh, I don't know. There's just something so like intricate about, you know, that amount of detail and it really immerses you. And like, well, yeah, you do have to definitely use your imagination because like you're dealing with these like 
really crunchy looking characters yeah. and stuff. Five, um, spheres, five spheres put together with like slightly different. Um, yes. Shading <laughs> on each. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it it really uh, contributed to to the world building, and, and I think you know that's what really inspired a lot of people. Uh, well, do you do you think that like maybe I'm curious to hear if you think that it's more about what they weren't able like do you think that the decision of having to not show things might also make you better at choosing what details you do show as a storyteller? Cause I feel like with, with final fantasy, a lot of it too is like, you know, you go to the remake, right. Where they have all of the technological power that they probably wanted when they were making the original. So like, yeah, you can like go up to a surface and it looks really great. And like, you know, you, you're, you can zoom in on it and it looks awesome. None of that was present in the original game. So yeah, like these fixed backgrounds, they had to make very deliberate decisions about like, what are the things we're going to show? Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, that was kind of where I got looped into. Do you remember like uh, you, you enter a space and you could tell what, what parts of the map we're going to animate because they look slightly different from yeah. like the fixed image background, you know, yeah. that kind of made, that kind of like draws attention to things. Right. So like you're, you know, you're as a, as someone who's experiencing the story in real time, you're kind of like drawn to those pieces. So yeah, just, I'm, I'm wondering if you think that like, maybe it's not just what you can put in, but maybe what you have to choose to leave out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in a, in a way, I mean, you can also say that about like the, remake you know i think like like the environments in the remake for me they're so much more dull have you guys played mm-hmm. the remake yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've played it. uh cool. like cool. i i was like i feel pretty disappointed uh and while it is cool to see uh certain things like uh you remember that one room uh, like i don't know was it like on wall street or whatever wall market uh, in Walmart, the one room that you walk in, there's like you can't do anything because like a gun just starts shooting at you. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, Anytime you walk in, it's just a random like, and then you literally yeah. Yeah, and you're just like whoa. What? Like first of all, I still don't know what the hell that room is. But second of all, <laughs> it was like weird to experience it in the because I tried to play both at the same time. That was like my goal. Was, oh, Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> and you never played both. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so like experiencing that in the original and then experiencing that in the remake was like really cool, but like, I don't know, it just like, it felt different. It hit different, like in the original. I don't know why mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I feel like they, there is just more colorful too. And like, I feel yeah. like the, the lighting like i don't know it kind of feels like that like unreal engine lighting you know what i'm saying like it's like mm-hmm. kind of just you got these like colorful things going on but like nothing's lit like that well <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's how yeah, it kind of feels feel like it's like it's just the you know is the like is the threshold for success technical prowess which i think that a lot of like triple a games now are just like cram the photorealism in yeah the more photorealism, the the more it's a AAA title, basically. You know, like that seems yeah. to be for oh, for the mass majority of people. They look at a trailer and they, you know, the, the first thing you think is like, does it look real or not, right? But like that leaves aside this whole stylized world of art that honestly, I think in many ways can be more interesting. And I think that when you compare like the Final Fantasy VII original to the remake, the original was a 
unique art style that you know i just can't be in my mind can't be replicated like even the even the spin-offs of final fantasy 7 right like i played dirge of kerberos on ps2 or was it ps vita or whatever uh no i think it was playstation 2 yeah right like even that i was i remember playing that and being like oh i'm so stoked it's like an extension of final fantasy 7 and i was like it just doesn't hit the same like even though i liked like, it but <laughs> I mean, it, totally, it was 100 totally different yeah the, mechanic, the mechanics of the game were totally different too i mean it wasn't you know it was definitely yeah. not, it was had rpg elements but it was not well, quite the, you know the same one thing i want to mention and i think it was the story writer of of final fantasy 7 but you know they asked like why do you think that game held up for so long and even still to this day and he said, well, it's because of the fact that games, all they do is focus all of their energy onto like physics, mechanics, like how the game looks. Back then, all we had was the story and we had to spend all of our time just making the most engaging story possible. And that's why people can still remember it to these days, because it was like it was like our primary goal was to make an amazing story mm-hmm. and i always thought that was really cool and you know and i i think you know going back and even just seeing like how much they focused even though the game was so simplistic it was so complicated at the same time um and also just want to say up until i think seven and then all the way up until 10 the one of my favorite part about those Final Fantasies is what you mentioned, and that's the mixture of 2D and 3D just done so well. Just having some of these just amazing illustrators come in and then at the time, I would assume groundbreaking 3D video game artists just blending their work together as seamlessly as possible. Um, it was really cool. But I do have one, might be the biggest question of the night. Um, who was your main three that you used in Final Fantasy VII? Uh, Cloud, of course. Uh, Tifa and Barrett. Nice. Pretty vanilla. (laughs) There we go. There we go. That's a good lineup. That's a good lineup. What about you guys? I always had Vincent rocked in. I think mine was uh, Cloud, Tifa, and Vincent were my three. Um, I think I was uh, Cloud Barrett and Red Thirteen, I, but I would also swap in Tifa. I, would, I always prioritize Tifa as well. Um, mm. I like swapping like uh, Tifa and Red. Is it Red Thirteen? Is that the yeah yeah yeah? yeah. Uh, those two. What are... about Kate Sith? <laughs> Go, I'm going back to the gambling theme, but like <laughs> yeah. Kate Sith, like his uh, ultimates or whatever, like are uh, like his limit breaks are crazy. So, yeah. I feel like I didn't appreciate Kate Sith's character until I played, like, replayed as an adult, you know, of just this yeah. sort of, like, Same. I didn't even really register when I was playing my original playthrough of of 7 that it was, you know, this, like, drone remote operated. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like this weird robot thing. I don't oh, know. yeah. I, I feel, it. yeah, there's so many things. He's like I feel like Shinra's, if I played this as a kid, Shinra, I would be yeah, like, what the yeah. hell? I don't, how are you supposed mm-hmm. to understand all that? The in, the I, I basically, like, kept with the story as an adult like and even then i was like really piecing things together well mm-hmm. so so i kind of want to tie i do want to try to tie this back to you know we we forayed into this by talking about how like you're working on building this universe and you have characters and you think like what is it like if they exist outside did you say wish and wash yeah how do they exist outside of that space right what does that look like but i think that final fantasy is really 
excellent at like reusing themes and characters. And like when you hear it's a Final Fantasy game, you have a certain set of expectations about what you're going to get into, right? There's even like mechanics of gameplay, right? Phoenix down in a Final Fantasy game, it's going to do the same thing, no matter what, you know, if it's if it's seven or if it's whatever. I don't even know what we're on now. But, you know, does do you kind of see yourself maybe like borrowing from that sort of methodology of like you can have reused characters you can have reused like lore that maybe has like slightly different implications in one scenario than another yeah absolutely i think like that is the ideal i think my my biggest worry again is just like what if i have a character do something that's like totally outside of the universe but I mean, you guys were saying like how like some of, you know, like Cloud has been in like how many video games? Cloud was in Kingdom Hearts. Cloud has yep. like made appearances in like a bunch of different stuff. I don't know. Super Smash, Smash Super Smash yep. Bros. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't know if it's whatever version of it, but yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. But I also know that I think like in like Advent Children or like some Final Fantasy Seven. I don't know if it's like one of the games or like what, but there were things that like happened that didn't stay true to the original game, um, mm-hmm. which is jarring, like when you are so invested in the story, but it's like, does yeah. that really matter that much? Uh, I'm really curious to see where they take it, right? With the remake, the like second and third parts. Like, yeah. That, are that they gonna... I, you asked earlier about like, had we played it. So like I, I played it the week it came out, like fin- Same. I told mm-hmm. myself I would like, space it out i i finished it in like maybe a weekend I just like <laughs> that that um, was the covid cure for me at that yeah, time yeah, no, it was for me it was very much an i watched like, it i watched my friends play it like twice i think before i, I started actually played through it yeah. yeah the thing that the most jarring part for me was like i was getting to my favorite part of the game and the game ended and i was like oh I my god you have got to be kidding me we're spinning it out into like a five-parter you know or whatever yeah. i don't know what their actual plans I, were but i really I was, so pissed. I was so pissed it was like right when you got to leave midgar and i was like oh my yeah. god. i do want to say it is funny that you said the unreal look because i do find i don't know if i'm the only one who's noticed this but i feel like when it comes to the saturation and color pop at least in unreal 4 or like early 5 the white highlights are always white they don't have any color resemblance Mm. into them and so that's like one of the main things i've noticed on the look which gives it a flat feeling Mm -hmm. anyway that aside i just want to say i hate that i didn't enjoy the remake as much as i thought i would even though it was great to have those nostalgic feels over and over again but You know, I've tried to say that I do like it even more than I don't like because of the fact it honestly was the original. They got as many original creators on the first Final Fantasy to be in this one and influence it as strongly as they could. So that part is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So as much as I wanted to say like, oh, that's not what happened in the original. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) If if they wanted to take it in this new direction, then I want I can't them to be change mad. it. I want yeah. them, like, I want them to like blow my mind again. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I already yeah. know what happened. So, like, do something else. But I, mean, I, 
Well, no, and actually, so that's so another thing that came up earlier, right? So we we've been talking a lot about like world building and how do you break your own rules. I think mm. what's uh, and I'm oh god, I wish I'd pulled this up before we all jumped on. This is something I read several years ago that was basically about this mm. the 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 introduction of these specters that like fly around in certain scenes in the remake, right? Like the the dark forces that yeah, sort yeah. of appear and and alter the course of an event, mm. and you know, I so I've read this this theory that 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 character which was not in the original is meant to encompass this idea of in the original game certain events went this a certain way like what was it jesse is jesse a character that died in the original that didn't die in the remake or was no, she I one that was, i think you could she dead. could die wedge uh, yeah. i don't remember Maybe like, it's yeah, not the, the deaths were not the same in so the deaths were yeah. the same right but if you notice if you go back and play at these these pivotal moments and again i need to like i wish i had brushed up on this oh also spoiler alerts anyways we're not live so we can cut all this shit out but the point <laughs> is uh you know the the there might be like a narrative device that they've introduced in the form of these specters to account for. Yeah. If things are different, we're also going to like introduce this new storyline about like what is fate and what is the, you know, this sort of like maybe ethereal or mystical impact of, in this case, you know, embodied by in a corporate, you know, not even, it's still sort of like just ghosts floating around, but there is a function of this. Like we have this, it's like Lost. I don't know if you guys watched Lost. There was like was that black, say. the fucking black cloud that you know, which they didn't really explain. But yeah. it's it's a it seems like they might have something in their back pocket of like we are going to change the way the outcome might be right compared mm. to what you're you're used to in the original uh, PS1 version of the game. But they're well, they're introducing a literary well, they device did have, for lack like, of a better the, word. The like guys and like the black hoods, you know, in the original. Yeah. One, remember. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's like so, the uh the failed the, the failed yeah. Mako soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh so, so, I, oh, so I guess that's kind of like that. I, that's like I they're more spiritual the versus yeah. Oh. You know what's funny is because that honestly I think was the biggest thing that always upset me was like, what is the spiritual thing? But if that is somehow a part of like mother or the, mm. you know, that Genova, that would be very interesting time. Well, I think it's like, it's like, like the hoods. people, so the Mako like is like infused or whatever. Right. And like, I think, God, I was like listening to like someone talk about this recently. It's something to do with like the live stream and like their spirits weren't strong enough. And so it just made them into like the these mm. in-betweens the yeah basically we're like it's like this it does have to do with Genova, like and sephiroth and all that um like they're just kind of these like empty like husks that are like kind of following uh like Genova's will but like mm. yeah they're still they still are people too i guess just kind yeah of like, well, I think I just want to say the one big thing that kind of shocked me is like, I, I'm not going to for a big spoiler. Well, the, the stabbing part was like, I thought when we were going to lose a character, a different character, B didn't even die. I was like, I felt like that was like 
my first experience with like emotional trauma and loss was <laughs> in the original when I lost my healer. And I was like, well, they're coming back. Right. And then they just never did. And I feel like, you know, I was ready for that. And then it didn't happen. And I, I was like a little shocked in the remake that we didn't lose a character. But yeah that was sidetracked but I, I don't know just had to a lot of people out. are like oh are they gonna keep her alive and I don't know. are we spoiling you, does it matter i feel like we've already spoiled I, yeah exactly we've spoiled <laughs> everything <laughs> we spoiled, everything is spoiled uh yeah no uh we'll just throw a disclaimer on the front of the episode like, uh, yeah exactly don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean Aerith, uh, i mean i was expecting like i already because i played it yeah uh it didn't impact me so hard and like honestly like it felt like she was still alive even at the end because of what happened mm. like i was like honestly the way like people presented it to me i thought she would be like out of the game done you know like, right i was expecting her name to be i mean you know basically just like oh remember her whatever but like she had a huge effect on the end, right? Like huge effect. And like, it's like almost as if she was still alive, like her spirit mm-hmm. was still there. Uh, so like, I'm kind of wondering if they're gonna like use that in the remake, you know, mm-hmm. and like keep her, but keep her physical form because people are so like, uh, you know, upset about it or whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're gonna like fully roll out, um, the multiverse of final fantasy in the same way that like marvel has done it you know i think they might like toy at, like <laughs> entertaining certain ideas that get borrowed from that world which you know like a perfect example of everything we've been talking about maybe done in a way that i've I just really for i haven't even watched it so it's it's a very um narrow view but uh that series on disney plus that's like what if and it's just these mm. like hypotheticals about the Marvel universe. It's like, well, what if this happened? It's like, okay, well, I guess that would fundamentally change the movies that I saw. So yeah, I mean that for starters, there's that, you know, but like this idea of just like having a bunch of characters, a bunch of players and like a stage that they kind of, you know, perform on and you just give, you just give as many plot lines as you can. And maybe some are different and maybe sometimes some things happen, maybe sometimes don't. You know, that that idea of a multiverse is much broader than I think maybe at least what I'm kind of picking up on with with the Final Fantasy seven remake, like where they're taking that, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they, they've answered it in various ways. And they just said, like, we have more technology. We've all grown up and we wanted to kind of retell the story. I think they said it's not called remastered. It's called a remake. And I (laughs) thought that was kind of. Yeah, which I thought that was a little good way of answering it. I also if wanted like, to what say... What if, like, in the end, the corporations win? That's, <laughs> that's yeah. the end of the game. Like, there's, like, Sephiroth doesn't win, Cloud... It's just Shinra. They win. Yeah. That's it. That, that would be hilarious. Oh <laughs> we we real Midgar is stronger than ever. <laughs> the life force is completely sucked out. Oh my god, it'd be too real, honestly. <laughs> Especially since the big boss guy, I forget what his name is. He was like always such a piece of shit too, you know? Um, you know, or whatever, or no, yeah. the, uh, the guy with the red hair or the other guy? He like looked like a banker or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember his name actually. Uh, yeah. Did it start with an H? It might. No. I can't even remember. I just I remember I literally just played this up. like two days ago. 
Did you play it on like an emulator? Did you play it on PS1? Did you play it on Switch? Oh, I played. So I played the original on Switch. I played the. I've been playing the remake on PC. Nice, nice. So, uh, kind of a, a interesting. I feel like aspect of Mikey, you just mentioned. You know, Final Fantasy VII uh, original dev team is like we're going to focus on story and maybe not so much on gameplay. And then I see like you know the the remake gets made for Switch. So out of curiosity and also just like I played it on emulators and it's like can be a bit clunky. So I was like, oh, great. Like maybe we'll actually get a decent port of Final Fantasy seven. So replayed it on Switch and like the two things I feel like two of the the big uh, sort of gameplay tweaks that they made is that you can run the battles at like it's like two or three X speed. Yo, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> which like, but it just also made me realize that as a younger person playing the original i didn't even think about the fact that like in between each turn like just selecting it was i mean it was a long game it was a long boring game which is probably why a lot of people were like not you know that's what made me a nerd when i was a kid is that i was be i would tolerate sitting through these like lengthy cutscenes or like really the turn-based thing felt very real on the original um so i thought it was super interesting that they did the 3x speed and then what was the other one? uh like auto limit or whatever you just like I I they, avoid battles so they added so your light your like strength is really high or something didn't they, they yeah, yeah you, can, like, you can have unlimited limit breaks yeah oh like, my you, god what i didn't know that's what it was that's at cool. least on the playstation one yeah i think uh, on, on switch you could like autofill all your limit breaks immediately haste everyone kind of i don't know it was wild um but it was just interesting because it made me it as someone who played the original it kind of had me reflecting on like what has changed in gaming and i do think there's sort of like the appetite for what the original final fantasy was i do not think exists anymore you know if that game were remade right now with the exact same gameplay and exact exact same mechanics like maybe it'd be a niche hit on steam you know, for people mm. who are like all about like lore no, and stuff. No one but, would play well, it. it's so no, slow. Well, too slow. It's oh. like the like you move so slow on the world map. Like it's I think true. like what like the I don't remember if it was like the submarine or the airship or what, but like one of those things is so slow. I was just like, what the hell? This is too yeah. mm-hmm. Back in the day, those save points were like god modes. Like yeah, you get to a save point, be like. Think like because you want to get off the TV. You're just like I'm done right now, but I have to get to the damn save point. And you can't turn off the console. Like yeah, you had to leave it on and eat dinner and hope it didn't scratch. Like hit a scratch. You know. Wait, that's actually Uh, kind of such an interesting trade off if you think about mechanics, right? So like, uh, it used to be you had to have a. I remember when I didn't. I bought a PS like the first PlayStation I owned. I didn't even have a memory card. Right, so it was like I, was just, like, I just kept TV. playing the first what? ten minutes over and over again. Oh my god! First week I didn't have a memory card, so I'm just like I gotta leave it on, and I hope my mom doesn't go in there and be like, "Why'd you leave the PlayStation on? Like, do not turn it <laughs> off." But you know, so like that functionality got traded off. You know, obviously games are much faster paced now. You mm. know, and you could pretty much just like disconnect any time, and all your stuff is you know backed up in a cloud somewhere. So kind of interesting. Yeah. I do want to say there is a cool thing. I would recommend playing this, but uh, I just beat um, Crisis Core, which was mm. great. It's kind of the prequel. It's like where you learn about Zach and why Cloud had PTSD and all this stuff, which was um, uh, pretty insane. But they are in this summer. I'm very excited for this. It's called Ever Crisis. I don't know mm. if you guys have heard about this, but 
it's going to be a it's a remake of all of them. And it's essentially going to deal with um, Final Fantasy seven. So it's going to start at Crisis Core, goes through Final Fantasy seven, also has Dirge of Cerberus and then goes into Advent Children Error. But it's like a remake of all four games, but shortened and it's coming out this summer. So um, it's it's pretty it's like an official release. It's, I think, a cell phone game, but it's from oh, them. No. Yeah, I know, I know. You're gonna have to get those like hand, you know, the oh controllers that attach to the phone. Yeah, cool. maybe I'm sure somebody it'll get ported into something, but it's I'll uh, watch it. I'll watch the it. graphics look fun, but we'll we'll see. It looks a little sim esque, but uh, I also wanted to say two fun facts just because I found these doing a little bit of research. Um, but one, for people who don't know, in Final Fantasy VI, they introduced characters called Biggs and Wedge, which were literally based off of Star Wars. Uh, the writers were really inspired by them, threw them in as an Easter egg, and they've been in the game ever since. It's really funny. Any Final Fantasy you play, you'll find Biggs and Wedge somewhere in the game. Uh, and then uh, the last little fun fact was that uh, for a while, during the PlayStation, like, one through six uh through those final fantasy playstation one through six <laughs> final fantasy one through six <laughs> um <laughs> i'm from the future time traveling uh so they wound up actually having releases in japan and just never took the time to port them over to america so what we consider like final fantasy 7 is final fantasy i think 10 or 11 um, for them, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they have recently remade some of them, which is where you'll sometimes see like Final Fantasies with weird names that look really old. Those are the Japanese versions remade in America. Yeah, that just came out a few years ago. So fun, fun little facts right there. Wanted to share. The future. All right, welcome to the future part of the show. This is where we talk about the hypotheticals on where we see our industry going um, and or, you know, talking about games. So maybe maybe we'll bring in some games into this. I don't know. Um, This section is going to be short because we had a ton of fun talking about Final Fantasy VII. um, And I hope you all enjoyed that as much as we did. Anyway, moving on. Uh, For the big question that has just been on everybody's radar, um, Nicole, what is your thoughts on AI? Is it here to destroy all of our jobs or is it here to help us? What's your thoughts? Um, (laughs) Both, probably. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. uh, I mean, it's already affecting our jobs. I don't know if you guys have, have felt that at all, but I have definitely, you know, it's been used in decks. It's, I'm like seeing it, mm-hmm. you know, just like, like corporate usage of it. And it's just like, you know, um, and that's when, you know, things are, are going to start getting affected. Um, my only, I guess like my only like way to fight back against that is, I mean, of course, it's not, like, super coming after, like, 3D stuff yet, but um, I'm just trying to, like, make my stuff, like, as stylistically unique as I can and just stick to, like, just being true to myself as much as I can rather than trying to, like, 
play this like industry game of like making this generic stuff that everyone likes and like you know which i have feel like i've been was blessed by nfts in a way when i was doing well with them or relatively well not like amazingly well or anything crazy um to be able to focus on my own style and like what like i want to make uh which i've always done but you know there was definitely like this like oh i want to think make things commercially viable now it's funny because it's like i feel like because of this in my perspective like hey i'm almost like doing the opposite in order to make my stuff commercially viable i guess or i don't even know if, if that's I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know I mean, the answer. I feel, no, I feel that completely. Yeah. You're, you're, encom you're encompassing, I feel like, what a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's a weird world where, like, for a decade, we've gone from, like, the, we've run the gamut of, like, generalism is bad to generalism is good to niching down is good to niching down is bad to, like, now the AI is here, like, maybe niching down is good, you know, like, figure out what your one thing is that no one else can do. Um so yeah, no, I, I, I echo your sentiments in terms of like, in you know, I don't know if you guys saw, but, um, you know, IBM just like paused hiring on a shitload of jobs and There's they're 3, like, this, this, what were they're the like, jobs or like, um, I'd have to look, um, and I don't even want to try to speculate on what they would be. I have some like inklings <laughs> on what it would be, but I mean, I think, I think like if you're doing a lot of writing right now, I mean, yeah. literally like our AIs are entry large, level coding like, large language models, yeah. right? So if you work with language, if you're a copier, I think if you're a copywriter, I mean, look at what's happening on with, you know, with the writer's strike that's going on right now. I mean, part of it is wages haven't kept up with inflation, which I think is true across like m most industries right now. Yeah because we've had record inflation for two years. Um, but then we also have part of their rider is like, we're not feeling great about the AI thing. And we should probably have some conversations now before, you know, they decide tomorrow we're going to lay off, I don't know, however many thousand people because we can, you know, at least try to make AIs work as efficiently as you all do. So I think, yeah, it's uh, the every day I wake up, I feel like I see more writing on the wall that it's kind of whether, whether you agree or disagree, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting. I still feel like the one good thing we have is there needs to be a hardware tech like leap. You know, you look at things like chat GPT and they're actually losing like millions of dollars based on the processing power that needs to, you know, be worked on, on, people's prompts. I mean, it's a hundred times stronger than a Google search. And that was for chat GPT 3.5. I think right. four is even more, you know, strenuous. So I feel like with animation and, you know, 2D to even getting to 3D, I mean, we're going to see a lot more development, but I feel like we're still going to have, we, we got a little bit of time, maybe, maybe like 10 <laughs> years, <laughs> but it is interesting though. I have been seeing that, um, forget what, the program is but they're actually using 3d models and they're rigged and they're kind of using that as and i think we were talking about this recently but it looks like i'm starting to see some people do it but they're doing 3d animations with ai but they're actually using real 3d models and then yeah. like these pre-made animations or, or or characters i don't know it was it was very interesting it was a it's like a new the next iteration of mixamo 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was like Mixamo, but you like type in the prompt and maybe it'll generate like a crappy 3D character based on that and then do a Mixamo animation. And right. God, I can't like even imagine like the amount of cleanup for that. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's probably like generically okay, but like what kind of awkward like movements are they doing? Yeah, I feel no, like... I I've used a couple camera capture rigging stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So like there's very rudimentary ones that you can like literally run with one camera, like your webcam. If you want to like rig your hand, you know, you hold your hand around. It tries to approximate joints and all that. Um, And then there's like move AI, which is, you know, you can run like five iPhones and like, obviously the more, I I think you can run it with as few as three. And like the more you add, obviously the idea is you get a higher fidelity output. and yeah, I'm with you. There's like, it's almost too detailed. Like you get, you get keyframes for like every frame, but if you have like a jitter somewhere in there, cleaning up the jitter is like almost worse because you have, rather than having like a, a set of keyframes at like 12 and 18, you have keyframes on every frame between 12 and 18. So like you're, you know, you're basically like I mean, that's not only like rebuilding how... individual poses, but you're rebuilding like tweens as well. And so yeah. it's just like, I mean, mocap becomes... generally works like that. No, I'm trying to think right. I have a Rococo yeah. suit and I'm, I'm yeah, pretty sure that, that even with like the cleanup that it does, it's still every frame. Um, but does, does Rococo, uh, you said Rococo, is that, is that how you said yeah. it? Uh, mm-hmm. if, so do they have like proprietary built-in, like you run an auto clean on your keyframes and it sort of tries to approximate some of that stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I do, oh God, I'm trying to remember. Is it, I think it still does every frame though. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with being on every frame, but with some of the, like, you know, I'm using a lot of, I'm, I'm a blender person too. So I use a lot of, there's tons of open source tools and yeah. you know, people just experimenting with stuff. So I've used a couple like specifically for hand and like face face stuff mm-hmm. only, not even full body. Um, and yeah, it's just like I don't know. It starts to feel once I you think get the like where we're gonna see where we're gonna see things become like threatening is when people start not not really getting into like the mocap pipeline, but like I think people are gonna like for instance like create some three D character the AI is going to be able to like run, you know, the front, the sides, the back. And then you're going to be able to say, okay, here's a video, a real video of someone doing, I don't know, like they're like doing like they're skateboarding or they're like, you know, doing some sort of very specific movement. And they're going to say, okay, match this character, this, you know, 3D character to this. Uh, And it's, it's not necessarily going to make, the 3d model but it's gonna make it look like it's it's yeah Mm. i mean it's gonna cheat better than you're a good artist who knows how to cheat like certain angles or whatever so have you heard of uh wonder dynamics the like tool set it's it's basically exactly what you what you're talking about which is like feed it input video and then replace a character in the input video with a 3d character and i think that's what i was talking about before yeah the biggest complaint i've seen so far with wonder dynamics is that it will also automatically make your clean clean plates for you so like in you know first step roto out the character you know from the live action footage composite in the 3d character step two you know run the run the render kind of thing and if you look at it like the the tell tell on it right now is basically like the edges of those 3d characters have like a blur where you can see they've done sort of like a 
an autofill algorithm to make the clean plates. So like that's this that's the tell right now. But I don't think that will be that. I don't know. Give it like six months at the rate we're going, and it's probably going to be pretty clean. Mm. At which point, yeah, um, yeah. I well, mean, that's, that's one thing that I feel like is the big angle that I think for artists, like sometimes I think maybe a lot of the technical skills, maybe some of like this short, you know, somebody might be entertained and want to do like a quick little 10 second thing, you know, but I feel like as an artist, when you can bring in, you know, bringing it back to like these world buildings and like, you know, especially, you know, I've said this quite a few times on the podcast, but reflecting yourself in your art is something that AI doesn't have. It doesn't have a history. It doesn't have something that humans can like connect with, you know, is these stories. And we all have our own individual story that nobody else can tell but us. And so I think it's going to be always super important. And we're going to see a lot more people using themselves in their artwork to give these different angles. And, and you know, that's going to be what differentiates them from anything anybody can do or, you know, any. AI can do so. Yeah, I think it's also like, as an artist, you have to be, always have to be open-minded, but you have to be very open-minded about your tool set. Like, are you willing to make that leap and like do the annoying AI stuff? Like when it yeah. gets really good, when it's faster and it does the same exact thing you were doing, but like way faster, are you gonna do it? You know, so yeah. I've been trying to like stay like in the know and know how to use this stuff. Cause I, you know, I mean, like Michael said, and I think that was a great way to say it. It's about storytelling. It's about having someone to put all these pieces together and, you know, show this thing in the way that you want to show it uh, and tell a story. That's that's the whole point of being an artist. And I think, you know, we're very far away from AI being able to do that. Um, what was it? Uh, Westworld. I don't know if you guys followed that show. Yeah. Uh, the first few seasons I was, like, really into. I kind of on a... I guess out of boredom, I like poked around some of the most recent episodes. One of the narrative things they have going in the current show is like, you know, hundreds of years in the future. Uh, a media company is essentially a bunch of people that show up and sit down at a workstation and then they start telling a story. And then in real time in front of them, you know, photorealistic 3D, you see the story being filmed and that's like what people watch, right? Like you stream those shows. You can have an infinite number of shows. It can be about whatever you want. But the only job that really hasn't been replaced is the person that sits down at the desk and says, all right, we're going to tell a story about a daughter who lives in her in a city with her dad and her dad is not, you know, he's sick and he's, and she's trying to find herself. And like all of this is playing out in real time. You don't have to film it. Don't have to light it. Don't have to render it. Don't have to model it. But the only job that's kind of, you know, moving this thing along is the person sitting there telling the story. So I, I don't know. I mean, not that that's the end all be all, obviously, of where we're going, but I don't think it's it's I think that's a good uh, I don't know, a good gr a ground to stand on right now where you're like, you should remain curious about these tools, try to figure out ways to if it works for what you're doing, use them, you know, um, and I think that when I, I wouldn't say alarm bells are ringing yet, but I think they're probably going to start soon and the best thing you can do in a situation like that is just be a little prepared for it. So, yeah, yeah. that's good because I feel like we're ahead of the way versus being. Yeah, yeah you know, of to, course. You know, I mean, so. And you might you might not even be like, I don't really use I mean, I use AI and paid work right now specifically for like more like admin stuff like I use ChatGPT for everything now, like write me some emails, right? You know, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. look at these, like look at this contract and tell me what it's saying. I don't know. Um, my grammar, please. Yeah, yeah. Make, me, make me sound smarter. 
Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think it's, it's all there. The other thing I wanted to ask you about too, is just, um, just about, you know, I mean, VR and AR, have you experimented with it? Are you using it at all? Yeah. So over the years I've made, you know, quite a few AR and VR, um, projects, like that's kind of like my main way of doing exhibitions. Um, so yes, I, I, I'm not using either right now. Hmm. I don't know why, like, I'm like, I was like, I want to make another game because I've made a few games with some friends and collaborators oh, nice. and stuff, um, mostly VR and AR, like they're, they're art experiences, but like, they, you know, they're games. Um, but, you know, I was like, I, I really don't want to do another VR AR thing. Um, I want to, like, I want to go retro. Like, I want to do a Game Boy game. Like, I don't know why. Because it's like, I, I don't know why. I feel like, like we were talking about earlier, you really are going to pay attention to the story and the little details. And that's what I want right now. Especially mm. with all this new stuff coming up. And, like, trust me, I've always been, like, a huge, like, futurist. Like, I love future tech. I love tech in general. Um... But like, it is kind of like, you feel like you're in this like rat race where you're not paying attention to the things around you. You're not slowing down for a second and thinking about, you know, any details or really anything. There's no grounding. Um, so I thought, you know, moving backwards and using some retro technology would be good to kind of- Yeah, I mean, what's the- what's the yeah. it's you know creativity happens like when you're when you give yourself some a box to work in right like if yeah. I, what you just said is so poignant i mean i think that is i couldn't say it better myself just it is every day you could find something to distract yourself with and i think it's more important now than ever to really ask yourself the question like why why am i paying attention to this i mean you, you at any day any given day you can wake up and pay attention to literally an infinite number of things so mm. you know when it starts to sort of bombard i don't know what your guys's algorithm looks like right now but like even the number of like bot accounts that are just for promoting ai tools that are probably built with ai and run by ai it is like everywhere and so yeah i mean it's just it makes you feel like it's the thing you're supposed to be focusing on but in you know now that I'm sort of in the wave of like, it's been a few months now of like the chat GPT news blowing up and all that. I'm kind of now like, wait, why am I paying attention? You know, like, is this actually yeah. something that's important to pay attention to? It is funny too. Cause honestly, I feel like nothing makes me feel better and get nostalgia feels and like listening to the Game Boy intro or like oh, the PlayStation yeah. home yeah. sound, the you know, it's like, yes. oh God, I feel so good. And you know, and it's funny too that you mentioned it because it really is like some people might, who might be listening be like, oh, well, that's silly. I, it, where, what kind of things can you be made? But you even look at some games, like, I mean, this might be a, a bad comparison, but I'm just thinking of like Flappy Bird, like a very almost 8-bit, maybe 64 bit style game and you know but it was retro it's easy it was simple but it was so fun like you really can you can really make some like fun art and some fun mechanics you know and just have the time of your life so i'm i'm very excited to see what you produce because that that sounds awesome it's it's definitely cool yeah it'll, it'll definitely be a minute 
Um, definitely <laughs> focusing on the animation series first, but yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is it, interesting. It, so animation series, the game, like maybe we just, maybe we extend the universe into like playables as well. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. That's and cool. I love it too with it being like a casino. You can really have like, there's so many different fun casino games, you know, and yeah. uh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. I like, I like, it's interesting too, because you remember like, you remember in Pokemon, like they had like the, what was it called? Like, it was like their own the, arcade. They had of. a casino Ooh. in the game. Was it like the yeah. Rod something? Or like, um, I can't remember the name. What was the name of it? Some game I'm center, not... right? But there were slots and they took it out of the game. And like, so I'm like, is are these things like also like very not kid friendly? Because like, mm. I don't like, I might make, we might make this stuff like more just like game centric and like not gambling for like money. Because like, right. It's, I don't want this to be like a really intense kind of like, like, I mean, like gambling can get so intense, like you can compare it to like <laughs> drugs or something, right? Like it can yeah, absolutely. Like, really destroy people's lives. I do not want to go there. You know, I want to keep it chill and like fun, like, like yeah. games, you know? So I don't know if gambling for soap really is like a, like money sink like that because there are you know gotcha games pokemon does games now where like you buy the coins and you buy the outfits or like whatever the heck you know mm. um so i'm like wondering kind of like where that line is too that's that is an interesting yeah that's very interesting and i'll say i kind of always liked uh you know not to get into fortnite but you know i uh, may I may or may not play that game sometimes, um, but I, it is interesting. They have like a lot of fun things just when you log in. I remember during Christmas, they did this thing where there was 12 Christmas presents and like each day, you know, you could pick one present to kind of open. It wasn't gambling, but it was like a fun little like, whoa, look what I got, you yeah. know. And like uh, doing like the battle yeah. passes, like Overwatch started the battle pass. So you have to like well like the thing is and the thing is, is right that it's not even so much about i mean when you when you look at what the functionality of those things are versus what the companies that make them are trying to do right like they like fortnite can what an amazing metric to say that like every day we have x amount of users log in right you know if you're most people now are making money selling ads so like if you say i have x amount of millions of people that get on this platform every day it's probably much easier to get someone to pay you i don't know an exorbitant amount of money to promote some product or you know and like with fortnite it's all about the skins the skins are always tied to like a recent movie or a recent like you know musician who has a song that goes oh, yeah. whatever dude it's just like so like the Whenever I see, because I, yeah, I mean, I saw the battle pass stuff for like the 25 days of Christmas or whatever it is. It's like, I mean, the entire impetus is to just get you to sign in every day. It's not even so yeah. much that you're, you know, you get like some crappy skins. It's not even really that fun. But yeah. for some reason, <laughs> signing in every day and being like, I get to open a gift. I mean, it just gets you, it gets you lining up at the door. So it does. It does. They got a new Lizzo dance on. I just got that. See? It's so oh. fun. It's so. Really? <laughs> Sorry, I, wait. I mean, I didn't get that. What am I, I saying? I, <laughs> that was so good. Was um, so good. I, I I played Fortnite on um on Switch a little bit, mostly because my little brothers play it, and they're like, "You gotta come play, and you can do like the cross platform thing now." So, mm. um, so sometimes I play with them, but um, yeah. I'm well, I like, want. 
Good. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to jump a little bit into the VR. The, just kind of say yeah. one thought before we get too sad. But I just want to say something because I feel like we oh, we have been lacking in, you know, I feel like the VR, AR stuff last year was such a big conversation. Like that was almost like what we would talk about AI was about the metaverse. Like where's VR going? And now it's kind of getting put to just a few sentences. And I just want to say, even me, myself, I've kind of feel the same. It's almost um, just a little, I don't know what it is about putting on VR headsets. It's kind of like, it's just exhausting. Just that it's like a ritual of having to sit down, make sure you have an hour or two free, then putting on the headset and then not communicating with anybody around you. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to see what twists and turns are going to be made in the future to get people past that hurdle. And is it just that the hurdle is, you know, making the setup, you just put on glasses and you're done, you know, or is it going to have to be contacts? I don't know. Or is it have to be completely transparent so you can walk around with it, you know, regard anyway. Uh, I just wanted to like give a little, emphasis to anybody listening if they were very much into the vr thing i think in june we'll probably when apple makes their big announcement um with what their xr headset comes in i'm sure that's either going to get us talking about it for another year or potentially not talk about it for another 10 years yeah but i just wanted to like say that for anybody listening who is like wondering why we kind of because i yeah i feel like everybody's just a little kind of just in that boat in right space. now yeah 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 it's interesting it's interesting um well cool i'm mean, trying to think was there any other i mean we're almost coming up here on an hour and a half awesome uh fantastic episode was there anything else andrew you wanted to mention or no, any other actually, questions i think uh i feel like we covered everything um I was going to just open it up and say, you know, Nicole, do you have any closing thoughts, any projects you have coming up? Obviously we talked a little bit about, um, wish and wash. What's sorry. What's the name of the project again? Is that yeah, right? That's it. That's All right, cool. cool. Yeah. Wish and wash. Um, you know, any social media stuff to keep an eye out for if anyone's listening. Yeah. I'm just working on that really. Uh, check it out on my socials. That's going to be my yeah. thing for, for a while. So, and when you start uh, selling cartridges kidding. of your game, I will be the first. Oh my one. god, yeah, that's yeah. a ways out. That's a ways out. But yes, I'm I'm definitely really excited for that for sure. Um, and yeah, I guess for everyone listening too, just uh, good luck with with uh, the AI stuff. And I think I think we're all gonna be okay. Like I, I have to say that I know things can get really dark when we're talking about this stuff, and I even feel myself like getting really scared, but. I don't see a societal collapse coming and I, I think we'll figure it out. So it's important to keep in mind right now for sure. Well, thank and you I so think much. if there's one thing where the world does need it's artists. So all of that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, for everyone listening, make sure you, uh, check out, uh, uh, not only YouTube, you know, Spotify, Instagram. If you're in New York, come out to the meetups. We have meetups. The what is it, Mikey? Is it the second Wednesday second of each Wednesday. month? The second Wednesday. So this week, and uh, yeah, again, Nicole, thank you so much. We will keep an eye out for all the awesome work you have coming. Awesome, thank you guys.